hey, Vin, you know, we decided that we're going to do this show, Showboat, and you're the only person of color. We're going to do blackface. Are you okay with that? <gasps> no. Welcome to We Can't Print This, a podcast telling the story you don't know behind the story you do. My name is Eden Don. I'm Fiona McCann. Every week we interview a writer of some kind about the stories behind their stories. And if you like our podcast, please do us a favor and share it with a friend. Or if you super love us, you can support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month on patreon.com forward slash we can't print this. And this week we welcome writer, actor, storyteller, producer, filmmaker, and all-round lovely person Vin Shambri. He has performed on Broadway, toured internationally, won a cabillion awards for acting, is an acclaimed storyteller, you may have heard him on The Moth, mm-hmm. and is currently working on a short story collection, also wrote a movie about his childhood that was filmed in Portland last year called Outdoor School, and he is the owner and artistic director of one of our favorite arts venues and community hubs right here in Portland, Alberta House. And then today talks about outdoor school, which we should say came from a story he told at The Moth. So tying together storytelling, screenwriting, all of it. All the writings. And it's a very much a story of his own personal experience, right? He writes about his, his life, real things that happened to him. I hear that one of the pieces of advice is always write what you know, which mm-hmm. I think is... A, a fairly obvious statement in one way. <laughs> but it's not easy because actually writing what you know, particularly in the way that Vin does, is incredibly vulnerable. And it is more difficult than you think when you are going to write a piece, a vulnerable piece about your life. And then you, the thing about writing is you write it for yourself and then you present it to the world. And then guess what? The world has a lot of opinions on it. I know that bit's weird. That bit is so weird. That's why I never read the comments is the best advice I can give to anyone. Oh my God, never read the comments. Never read the comments. Very hard, very hard not to though. Anyway, but yeah, you're right. It's putting something out in the world. It's coming from a, that's coming from a very vulnerable and very personal place. And I haven't done that that often in my life, but Every now and again, in my career at least, there's been calls for a personal essay about something in particular. The only one time I can really think of as a significant example of this was when I wrote about, I had an eating disorder when I was 20, I think, and I wrote about it, very personal story about it for the Irish Times during like eating disorder week or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it was in some ways the hardest thing for me to write, not just because I had to sort of excavate a lot of my you know, personal pain around that and shame around it too, yeah. to be honest. I'm even feeling slightly embarrassed telling you about it now, Eden. Mm. Um, but the, I think one of the hardest things and what I hadn't really thought through at the time was how, you know, it is my story and I'm entitled to share it, but it was also a story that affected my family members. Yeah. And I know it was very difficult for my mother to hear that I was going to put that in the public domain and her concerns that she was going to be judged too for not you know for letting this happen somehow and that was really complicated I remember thinking oh my god like you're right I can't write about I can't write about any of my life until everybody I know has died (laughs) and that was really be waiting a very long time yeah 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 um well one I think it's so important and wonderful that you wrote that piece and I'm glad that you did 
And I think that anytime people are willing to share, you know, Vin tells us a lot of stuff about growing up being homeless and some, you know, just absolute wildly BS racism he experienced in college. When we get to that part, you're going to really, it's my, and also like, he's such a joyful person and being able to navigate that of like being this joyful person, but but telling us these stories that are so personal, but it's so important because I don't know those things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like in the same way, like we've had to experience a lot of sexism in the journalism world, particularly, I feel like coming from the fashion world, there's so much of other journalists kind of being like, Oh, you write about fashion. Like, aren't you sort of a sweet young thing, you know, like that sort of vacuous area of journalism. Yeah, exactly. And you know, so that's something that we have had to deal with that men might not understand. In the world, not just in the journalist no of course and like I have never been a black man I've never had to experience what Vin has experienced and so for him being able to tell us that so completely and help us understand that and you being able to talk about what you went through it helps other people understand especially people who haven't experienced those things and and it's something I really love about writing if people are able to do it and I understand it takes a lot of strength and courage and we're not always in the position to do it but I am really grateful when people do well and that's the great thing about stories right they help you understand they do all different experiences and build empathy and make the world a better place and honestly, I will say from my personal experience, after writing that, it did feel really empowering. So if you have, yay, yay. so I guess, and it won't be the same for everyone, but sometimes if you have a, a, you know, a story that's tough and really personal to you and you put it out there, you'd be surprised at how amazing that can feel. Well, and you're reclaiming the authority over it. And we talk about that a little bit with Vin. Yeah, like once true. you're in the position where you want to tell the story, it becomes your story and you're able to kind of own it. And that's also a nice bit, right? Like you take the power back in the situation, which is something that writing could do. Yeah. And Vin's a legend. Fiona, we have a new sponsor on the show today. Yes, and we're totally chuffed because it's Betsy and Aya, which anyone who knows me knows I spend 99% of my life in their earrings, and I have three of their signature bridge-inspired cuffs, and it's all designed and made here in Portland. I have been writing about and wearing and obsessed with Betsy and Aya's ready-to-wear jewelry since they started in 2008, and now they also make gorgeous fine jewelry, including custom pieces, and Betsy actually designed the Leo Constellation wedding rings that my husband and I wear. So now you can support both our podcast and this rad family business by shopping with them through our special fancy link. It's betsyandaya.com forward slash we can't print this. Use that special URL to automatically get 11% off your order of ready to wear, but do not sleep on that fine jewelry either because it is good. Um, You forgot to say that Vin also has the absolute best voice in the city. Oh, stop. You know that you, you do. do. You do. And we really have been working on our voices, but we can't get anywhere near it. I feel like every time I see you afterwards, I like try to slow down my voice. I remember when I was a kid, I was obsessed with the Lion King, because I would be like, who is Mufasa? And I would be like, Simba. Everything that like touches is our kingdom. You must never go there. And I would literally <laughs> practice that all the I time. I just got goosebumps. <laughs> I did too. Oh, this is amazing. Also, I'm very concerned right now for what's going to happen near that cliff. I know. I'm really upset. You, That's not going to be good. You better not joke. Vin, it is so great to have you Thank in you. our 
podcast studio. Well, today we were going to talk about some of the maybe lesser known stories. Besides, you have written in so many different forms. You're a storytelling machine. You're a machine. I think I am. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, and and a lot of what you have put into the public is sort of very private and personal mm-hmm. personal stories. Yeah, I think when the luxury I think of being an actor is there's times where you can choose to be yourself or not. I think there's luxury in that. Mm-hmm. But when you're just a storyteller telling your own shit, I think you have to bring your truth no matter what. And I think as an artist, I'm really intrigued with that, of like, what part of myself am I gonna bring today? And also, how is that going to land? Because I don't know. Because most of the time, I don't know how it's gonna land on my insides. Right. So to me, it's really fun to like investigate that and see even if I don't want to do it, I just do it. Does it make you feel consistently vulnerable though? Because you're like, how's it gonna land? This is so personal, how's it gonna land? You know, Or you're just kind of used to that now? I think when I wrote Outdoor School, I remember thinking, I was like, no one cares. I, I said that over and over. I was like, I'm sure that maybe a few people will care that this little kid was homeless and lived under a tree. But I'm really just writing this for myself. And then when I did the story, I got thousands of letters from little kids who were homeless right now, whose mother is not around. Who They were just sending me things like, is your mom okay? Where are you? And I think it just hit me. I was like, wait, I guess, like, I guess my stories do matter. And I think stepping into that vulnerability first, I think opened an avenue for everyone else to be like, I've been there. You know, you've referenced 12-year-old you, who I know is at the sort of root of Outdoor School's story. Can you tell us a little bit the story behind that movie? Maybe the one-liner yes. for, for... Well, just yeah. spot. You know, the log line of Outdoor School is... It's really about this boy in 1994 Portland lives these two worlds. He yearns to be a little kid, but he lives in adult situations by night. But what he realizes is that when he goes to outdoor school, he's allowed to just be a kid. So I think it's really the evolution of realizing that when you're 12, you can just be 12. And I think that that's what I've realized being part of it, but also being one of the writers and the producer and the person where it's about is that this is really about a journey of this little boy realizing that he's always been enough in crazy situations, but now seeing him now that it was all worth it. Mm. Yeah. And it's about 90s Portland. Oh, 90s my God. Now you're talking about, this is Eden Sweet Spot. Yeah. Yes. 90s Portland. This is, actually, this is her this mastermind is subject. Put on my bucket hat, yeah. a bucket of green slime on Come top, on. and then Come we on. go. People don't yeah. understand. I feel like the perception of Portland. People don't understand. <laughs> oh, no, no. Let me I sound, okay. I sound a thousand go. years old. I definitely don't understand. No. But <laughs> you know, because oh, we're very close in age, mm-hmm. and... 90s Portland looks a lot different than the Portland people know us now for. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, the beauty of doing this film 
and having a budget where I was like, wait, okay, we have money to do this film. We, we're going to do it. Like, we're going to do it, do it to the point where I need Z100 stickers. I need, like, yes. actual, like, old school, you know, bust a bucket, Portland Trailblazer stuff from, like, from Cool Nuts, the rapper <gasps> we have in it. Like, we have Wait, things. Cool Nuts is in it? Oh, we have, we have, a, <laughs> we have literally lines that are about Cool Nuts, Summer Jam. Like, we have things that are so Portland on purpose to really, like, if you know, you know. Bust a bucket, blazer duty, super, sunk it, slam it, cheese it, killer, cheese it, go up, go. get it, got it, go. <laughs> oh my God. So I if you know, you know. And oh, if, if you, you don't know, know, you know, which would be me, you definitely don't know. I just oh got, God. that was my street cred level of cheese. Let's go. I mean, it was like, it's an essence. Like, the 90s was a strong essence here where... You know, like the slogan is, you know, keep Portland weird now. Man, we've been weird for years. You don't need no damn <laughs> you bumper don't sticker know for weird. that shit. <laughs> like, you know, and we didn't have like, you know, it's so funny talking about this. I'm like, oh my God, do I feel old? But like, we didn't have bike lanes. It no. was just, people was just ride the bike in the middle of the street just cause, you know, like, <laughs> so it's really interesting now. Like, we're like, we're going to reenact what the 90s were. Okay, first of all, I'm really excited, but I absolutely won't get any of the references, I can tell you right now. What, but what, so the story is about you, essentially, right? You yeah. back in the 90s. Yeah, it's about um, my mother, uh, myself, and my little sister. And I have two other sisters, and they're like, referred to a little bit in the movie. But it's, it's kind of like the plight of my mother. We're homeless at that moment, no housing, fleeing from my father. And I'm going to outdoor school. So it's showing basically us leaving the park. And we lived under this tree in Irving Park. And my mom, we would do the whole routine. Like, you know, go get breakfast, brush our teeth in the bathroom, everything. But then my friends didn't know that. So then I would go to school. Little Maya, she would like walk with my mom and she would my mom would try to find jobs and like so it was like the day-to-day -day life of showing that but also showing little vin you know going into nature in oregon and kind of witnessing it but really realizing that he's already witnessed nature and he's already kind of been at outdoor school essentially outdoor school, you know so it's kind of in a sense a double entendre when you watch it because you'll see a kid witnessing outdoors, but he's already, he is the outdoors, you know? Yeah, that's where he lives. And yeah. So it's a cool, you know. How, thing. at that time, do you remember how much did you feel? It's an interesting thing. Like, I feel like kids, we can go through so much and it just feels normal because we don't have any other experience. And did you feel kind of like, I'm just a kid? No, or I was aware of it all. You were aware. Everything. I mean, I knew exactly, um, you know, I, I like to I like to thought that I was a, a salesman. Like I knew exactly what clothes I needed to bring in a backpack because I need to go to my friend's house to do laundry. So I needed to know the exact time when we we're going to eat food so that I can sneak down and put my clothes in their laundry as you know, because I don't know if they'll let me. Mm -hmm. So everything in my mind was really strategic and trying to show these two different worlds, wow. you know, but as an adult. I have had adults in Portland who said, I knew, but I didn't say anything. I didn't go to your mom. 
because I didn't, I knew what child protective services would do. Mm -hmm. I knew if I did say something to a cop, what would have happened? It'd be split up. I guess I thought for so long I kept it secret, but I think there were parents who were concerned, but they just didn't want to get in the way because they knew what, what my mom was dealing with. And they knew that like, I mean, I wasn't in the streets. I wasn't doing bad things, but like we were, that was our, that was our situation. When did you decide to make this a movie and tell us how that process was? Cause it's, it's like, especially this thing that you were so strategic of not knowing and not wanting people to know your life. At some point it had to be a weird reversal to be like, now I'll tell everyone. Yeah, now I'll we're going show the world. Public. Like it's such uh, a swing. It is. Uh, I think when I performed it for the moth, I just didn't think it was going to be big. Mm -hmm. I guess I just thought, you know, it's just a story about a black kid dealing with poverty. And then it just blew up like where I got a lot of messages from people. Are you shooting a film? Are you doing a book? What are you doing? And I was like, I don't know. Should I shoot a film? Should I write a <laughs> film about it? And originally I was like, oh, I'll just shoot a film and I'll play my dad. I was like, that would be kind of fun because I am an actor. And then I was like, no, I don't want to play my dad. Then I was like, wait, what is this? I was like, should I talk to someone who is a filmmaker? So then I was like, let me talk to my friend Emea Took. I've worked with him in uh, commercials and stuff where he's been a director. And Emea took me out to lunch. It was like five years ago. And he goes, hey, I have this thing I'm writing. Do you have anything, by the way? And I was like, well, there's this story called Outdoor School. And then he watched it and he's like, we're going to shoot that. So within like two weeks, we we're like, okay, we have cameras, let's shoot it. What? And it, it literally, and we're like, you don't mess around. Baby. Yeah, you yeah. always move fast. And we say, not only we're we gonna shoot the film, what if we do a workforce development where we train people of color behind the camera? So then they're about to be in this feature film, so they get a SAG budget film on their resume. And then all of a sudden, outdoor school for all sent me a message and they are this um, organization that basically fundraises to, to have outdoor school for all of Americans, for all kids. And so to them, they were like, what better way for us to raise money for you, a film where we want your film to go national so that we, our organization can back it and they know that we are trying to get money for, for the whole entire United States. So we're going to fundraise $500,000 for you guys. And I was like, okay. I'm so excited you did that, though, when kids had it, because it is a formative time for so not necessary. only being outside, but, like, kids to be away from their parents. It's where we learned how to play suck and blow. <laughs> yep. Well, I don't know what that is, but I, is that X-rated? What is even happening? No, yeah, that sounds you know wrong. what it is, right? Oh, I do know what it okay, is. Okay, hold so on. you take a card, where you take a card, and one person puts the, just like a deck of cards, and you put it to your mouth, and you suck it in to make it, and oh, then stick. you stick, yeah. and then yeah. you go mouth to mouth with the person next to you and then you blow it while they suck it to make it stick. And then if yeah. you don't do it right, oh no. Oh, you're kissing the card. in its open oh, mouth. Oh no, you're kissing. Yeah. Why did they never tell me about this when I was growing up? Man, I don't know. We rock but here in Oregon. We don't I tell play. you what, yeah. you do. We got 
for the Irish audience, kiss and blow. What's it? Suck and blow. Suck and called blow. suck and yeah. blow, which really is a far more scandalous name than what happens because I feel like ninety nine percent of the time the card does not fall. No. It's just the like temptation yeah. or it's tantalizing that it might fall you we have to kind of angle that. yourself beside the right person as well you're sitting in yeah. a circle it's yeah. kind of like but like spin the bottle was like too forward yeah. where we're like obviously that's you're gonna kiss but this yeah. is more like you might and it wouldn't be your fault but oh, yeah. you definitely tried to like get next to sit next to somebody yeah. hot oh, yeah, yeah. i mean and you know none of the people knew because we're like we're gonna go play war Oh, oh that's what yeah. you called it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Different kind of battle. That's now right. we've exposed Anyways, <laughs> all I'm saying is outdoor school is important for kids on a lot of different levels. It is. Okay. Yeah, yes. For their card playing skills. I mean, and even in the movie, I mean, I even write about this where I just remember all of the like conversations on the bus, you know, because you have a lot of kids like, I go camping every day. I know exactly what to do. I go crowd, crowd <laughs> fishing. I do blah, blah, blah. I didn't know what was going on. I just had my Jansport backpack. You know, I'm just chilling. Is there excited, any other kind? Right. And so I think Wow, you me, could have really dropped some knowledge there, though. I could. I'd be like, excuse you know. me, you go camping every day? Exactly. <laughs> Let you me know? tell you something. And I just remember thinking, too, these moments of like, now I was equipped. I did have all the tools, you know, I just couldn't say it, mm-hmm. I couldn't yeah. tell them that actually I am an outdoors person, yeah. you know, I'm just in a whole different way. Wow. Yeah. And did you play your dad in the end or no? I didn't. So the, the process of basically, you know, we, before we cast it, so Simon Max Hill uh, casted it and he casts Shrill, Portlandia, all everything. the places, everything, he here, in everything here He's great. Um, super weird. Love him. Um, so originally he was, they were like, what do you want to do, Vin? And I was like, well, I don't want to play my dad because I actually think my dad should be like not a famous person, but someone who is, you know, this good looking black guy who's charismatic, but violent. And like, and I was like, I don't know if I want to live in that world. Yeah. What I can do is I can play like present Vin where if you think of like the wonder years yes. where the voice I got that reference yeah so oh, it's she got a pop that. culture reference you got it. yeah We're with you. we got you ireland people don't worry y'all fine but it's that it's like i i realize that in a sense i am the conscience of the film you know uh-huh. like but the star is little vin this little black boy 11 years old that we found here in Portland, Oregon. I love who it. Who goes to Martin Luther King Elementary School. <gasps> and he's not an actor. And so we we did this whole huge national search and for, went to LA, went to New York. And so with Simon Max Hill, we opened up churches. We had these huge like cattle calls. As an actor, I, I know that life, but the movie is about my fucking life. And I had these moments of being like, whoa, weird. Like these people want to be in this movie, which is my movie. To and play you. And to play little Vin. And I, it was a trip, like being in the process. And when I walked in, and his name is Carter Holiday, when we walked into this lunchroom. It's a good name. He it is kind of perfect. So we walked in and we were, we were sent there to go look for these two little black girls who could play my little sister. And we saw them, they were like eating food. And then all of a sudden, little Carter walks up, he has his like chicken dinner. And he goes, yo, what's up, what's your name? 
I was like, uh, my name is Vin. What's yours? He's like, my name's Carter. Come sit down. And I was like, okay. So I sit down. <laughs> oh, wow, And Carter. he goes, he goes, you like chicken? And I was like, nah, man, I'm vegetarian. He goes, I don't know what that is, but, you know, <laughs> I was like, yo, I talked to the kitchen lady. She puts extra spice in this chicken. And I was like, oh, you like that? And she's like, yeah. He goes, Vin, you know what? I'm a hustler. And so we, we end up casting him. And we cast the Zion, which is his little friend who goes to Martin Luther King Elementary too. So the two stars are from Portland. And then Cecily, who is playing my mom, is an actress here in Portland. So we got the three main principals born and raised here. And then my father is an Atlanta actor. And then we got a bunch of LA actors for like small roles throughout the film. Every day was like a religious experience for me. It was like the awareness of the whole crew knew that the movie was about me and them witnessing reenacting poverty and then all of them crying, seeing it, but then crying when they see me because I'm watching it. It was a game with Carter because every moment he was becoming an actor, but with myself, but it was through my poverty so there was moments where I'd be like, yes, my dad hit my mom right there, and then you grab the bag. And he goes, wait, he really hit her? Yes. And he go, where? I'm like, well, he hit her like this. And so you, he would watch the rehearsal of the actual adult actors do it. Whoa. And then we would shoot his scenes. And so there would be moments when I would witness it, watch him, and then I would have to take a break and go on my trailer and cry and be yeah. fine. And then I'd come back out, work with him. And working with Ime was incredible because Ime knew, Ime is one of those directors where he, he, he knows the backbone of the whole film, but he also knows how heavy this is and how important it is for me. How, what level of this felt like you were just re-traumatizing yourself versus what level maybe felt cathartic to see these things again, but to have some power and some like ownership in it. Yeah. You know, um, there was, there's this one scene at outdoor school. Basically I, I talk about like on the school bus, everyone's like, everyone cries at the very end. Cause you're, you're just so sad. It's over. And just, you just cry on the school yeah. bus, you know? And plus nobody's had any sleep. Exactly. <laughs> you know, you had, you just have a blast. Yeah. Like, and I, I remember when we wrote that scene and that was the moment in real life when we did the, like the friendship circle when like, they were all like, Vin, you're a good guy. Like you care about us. Yeah. Like you, you know, you're a jokester, you're this. And then that's when I lost it or like little Vin, but in the actual shoot, we were at outdoor school. It was the second day. It was like 1030 at night. Carter was done. Yeah, he was like hungry. He started Exhausted. at six in the morning. Yeah. Like, but to, and Ime and I talked about this. It was like, that's the time when he's magic, when he's done, when he doesn't want to do shit. That's he's when really you get the raw. best out yeah. of him. Guard is down. Yes. And it was this, and it started to rain. It was like perfect. And I had this moment where I was like, oh, my God, seeing this little black boy ball in a counselor's arms is exactly what I did. 
but it was a moment, every moment in that movie felt so freeing and I was in charge of it. Mm -hmm. And I was never in charge of it, like as a kid. Yeah. When and you lived even, through it. In, yeah. Even in therapy, I was never in charge of it. And now it's been such a journey because I am in charge of it. And now it's out of my hands, but it's in other people. But it's just been something where now it's kind of a fun ride where every single time I feel great after. When is the premiere and what are we wearing? Oh, the premiere is definitely 2024. Okay. Um, we, we're pretty sure uh, March 2024. Uh, we have some Sundance whispers, which is very exciting. Oh, Sundance. yeah. Sundance. Yes, Sundance. So we'll um, see what that, what that does. It'll be a whole other trip to have it be experienced by the world at large, won't it? And then have yes. to do the press circuit and all of that stuff. Oh, yeah. What a oh, weird thing to just man, you yeah. gotta gear up over. Oh, yeah. over. I saw it. So we saw the director's cut already. And to see it with music was an experience. Yeah. Um, to say the least. And A, I think we have a movie. So that's exciting. You yeah. know, we have a movie and it's a movie about 90s Portland. I can't wait. So it shows 90s Portland, but nature and black nature and black joy and just a lot of things that Portlandia didn't, yeah. you know, yeah. that I'm excited. I love it. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be so great. And you are truly one of the most brilliant storytellers I've ever met in my life. So I know it's going to be so good. And you got cool nuts. Stop. I and so you dope. got cool nuts. So dope. Uh, I do have... A secret story that I can oh, yes. tell you a little bit. Please do. Uh, this is we funny. love a secret story. You know, I think what I learned about outdoor school is um, kind of launched this idea of like, I should write a book and it should be kind of like archival of my life of it could be high school and all this other stuff. So basically I graduated and went to Wyoming for school. And the only reason why I went to Wyoming is because I said, I literally wrote this on the application. I said, here's why you need me to go to your school. I was like, I can be the black guy on the brochure. <laughs> and that's the first thing I wrote. I said, and lo and behold, they if offered you, you a place. I said, if you give me a full ride, I will be the black guy on the brochure. And I got in. And are you still on the brochure? I am still on the brochure. Oh, yes. I am absolutely still on the brochure. <laughs> And that was my first scholarship I got. Uh -huh. And I knew that I wanted to go there for theater and musical theater. So the first show that they were auditioning was, it was basically Showboat in this old classical musical theater piece. And the, the um, role was Old Man River, Joe. And I, I have a low voice and I love to sing old classical musical theater. So I was like, I think I have a good chance of getting this role. So I sang the song and it was just me and the director. And I was like, where's everyone else? You know, they're probably in the, in the, in the back. So then I go through the thing and the cast list is already up. So I was like, oh, so I got the role and didn't know that I got it. I just sang it. And then I looked to the left and all of the roles have been uh, assigned. And in Showboat, there is white people and black people. Why did they choose this musical? This so, question was. This, this, this has been coming in, you know, Wyoming. I got my scholarship. I'm about to take my pictures a week later for the brochure. Uh -huh. So I'm there, you know. 
And then I'm like, oh, great. I get to sing this musical. I do like this song. Where is everyone? Castless, the woman who plays my wife, her name is Mikola. I won't give her her last name. And I was like, okay, where is this black girl? Let me see her. So I go in, just a sea of white girls crying. And I was like, did you see the list? And I was like, yeah, I, I got the lead. And they're like, I'm your wife. And I was like, what? But you can't because I was like, there's black people in this. She goes, we're all the black people. And I was like, what do you mean? Go talk to Jamie, our director. So I go into the room and Jamie's like, hey, Vin, you know, we decided that we're going to do this show, Showboat, and you're the only person of color. We're going to do blackface. Are you okay with that? No. And so this is, this is 19-year-old Vin. What the and fuck, I didn't know what black I didn't know what it meant at that time. I didn't know what blackface meant. And I said, what do you mean? And they're like, well, we're just going to we're going to paint ourselves some of the people and we're going to find your com complexion and we'll be fine. And I was like, OK, I didn't know what was going on. And I think I was just excited to be there. I had a full ride scholarship. You got and the lead. I was like, I got it. You're also and the only black person in the room. And I, I, like, you can't like be real black. I was the only, you're the only actual like, black person in the room. And it's yes. unfair to count you to be the one to educate everybody yeah. else on their it was my job. foolery. Yeah. So our first day of tech, I will never forget this. I walk in and Mikola is just crying, like putting on foundation, black charcoal foundation. I am not black charcoal. I am like mocha. The person who originated blackface was Al Jolson. And Al Jolson was this performer. And minstrel. Minstrel performer. Yeah. And the way he, the reason why he did it is he actually went to basically a nightclub and saw black people doing stand-up almost, mm -hmm. like almost improv comedy. And they sold out the joint. And they were hilarious and awesome. And he was in the back observing it. And he was like, this is it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to put black on my face and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep my lips the same, but I'm going to do this. So then I walk in and I see them doing this. They were black, like black. I mean, literally black. And I'm, we're doing my song, Old Man River. My wife is coming next to me. She's kissing me. It's all on my face. Oh my it's all on my clothes. Oh my God. My my homies from Portland drove from Portland to <gasps> Wyoming oh no. Oh no. to see me opening night. And I did not tell them because oh. I didn't know what to say. And I just remember seeing them center being like, yo, bro, are you good? Like they were like looking at me like, oh. do you need do help? Do we need to intervene? Like, do we need yeah. to take you out? And it was this experience where like it traumatized me in college and I never said anything because yeah. I didn't know that it was illegal. I didn't know that like it was banned basically in the 40s. And also know. this power dynamic where like the director of your first show was like, you, you're cool with that, aren't you, Vin? Yeah. What mean, are you going to say? That's yeah. why so much fucked up stuff has happened at schools over the years yeah. is because of the dynamic between the authority figure. Yes. We're always Who has taught, the power. Yeah, yeah. You're exactly. at school and he's probably a teacher and the director. Yeah. And so you're like, oh, I'm supposed to listen to them. And they say, 
say, hey, we're going to do this. You're cool, right? Yeah. Like even that asking yeah. or of the Or are question, you not cool? I want to like, know, was she crying because she felt bad about doing yeah. such a stupid thing? Or was she crying because she was just... I, I think, and you know, the pictures are still on Facebook. They would cry because they were... I think they were more embarrassed about putting on them face opposed to being embarrassed for me. Right, right, right. Oh. No, not at all. They were right. embarrassed about how they felt like they looked. They yeah. weren't embarrassed that they were doing something yeah. that is not a good thing to do. Yeah. Wow, I am so yeah. when, sorry. When was this? Like what era oh my are we God. talking Late this 90s. Was, this was basically four years after Matthew Shepard in Wyoming. This black kid coming from Oregon, and I was like, from my poverty that I told no one. So I was this kid really excited to leave, yeah. you know, because I was like, oh, my God, I got scholarships. Fresh start. Because I wanted to be the black kid on the brochure. And then I became literally working with blackface. And, like, and it's funny. I Like, it's oh. the next movie that I'm brewing, yeah. you know, because I have pictures of all of us, I have the cast pictures of them. I have all the makeup all over my face, like. Oh my! And God. I did it. You know, I did the whole show, the whole run. Like you did the whole yeah. run. You guys did it more I, than the one night. We did the show like twenty times. Wait, yeah. what? what? Oh my! Yeah, Wait. it was the first show for Wyoming. And Are, were there not? Not nothing. Are there... No one complained. <laughs> I can't get it. She can't yeah. even get a sense. And this no. was like <laughs> 90s. So this wasn't like 60s. This... Yeah, this must have been like 99 or something, yes. right? Yeah, oh, yeah. This... I mean, think about it. Like, it could have been on CNN. I could have Karen them. I could have Oh, done... you could have. I could have sued. But like... Now. Yeah, but they yeah. had the power in that moment. And I think that that's... It's those yeah. exact conversations that are so problematic where yeah. it's like... You know, you're cool, right? Babe? Yeah. You're cool. Because what, what what do you do in that situation? Like, I was asked on behalf of all black people, yeah. was that yeah. okay? And I am 19 years old. It's your first show. moving to Wyoming. Not in a place of power. No. Not in any in a, way. Not no. even in a place of knowing anybody. I never spoke about it until my friends came because they, it was during Christmas break. It was our last week we drove back to Portland and they were like, get in the car. <laughs> like we going back to Portland. The hell is wrong with you? And it's been, it's funny. It's been one of those stories where I've always wanted to tell. And I just like, I think it needs to be shown, you know, it I need really, to show the experience because I have the pictures of it all. Jesus. It was a trip. This is why I think the brilliance of storytelling is now it's never left like inside my body. So now what fun way can I bring it out? You know, yeah. I can bring it out in, in, in Ooh, that's going to be form. a great movie. I think that's the thing is like, I always ask the question, why, why is it still inside of me? Why do I still think about it? And I think about it because it needs to come out in yeah. some sort of artistic form. And I think now I'm starting to realize that, that I have the platform to do that. And I think it's time. It's time. It's yeah. time. Um, we're going to wrap up. But one thing I want to uh, say before we go is that I also think you do such a wonderful job in this city for people to know of with your 
venue, Alberta House, of helping other people tell their stories and making it this place that community is shared and stories are told and people get to work out our own levels of trauma (laughs) in your hallowed walls. And I just love that about you. And for anybody who doesn't know about it, they should go look up the historic Alberta House and get to a show there. And have a great time. And have a great... And also, there's still ways to support outdoor... Outdoor School, the, outdoor movie. school the Movie. Yes, movie.com And uh, go there, I'll, you can support yes, us. Please. And albertahouse.org. Please support us. We're nonprofits struggling, but not internally struggling. Not internally struggling. Never. No, but you're giving great stuff. Thank you both. Um, thank you. <laughs> I love thank you. She likes to build that up. And I then like you to never build know. up, and then I looked at my script, and it says, Thank you. It's really Say good. Thank but you I to mean ben. it in my heart, Ben. Thank no, you, Ben. Thank you guys so, so much. So the webs Ben's website is vinshambry.com. You can look up all of his fanciness. Um, do you like he people to go fancy. to your Instagram? Do you want us to say it or yeah, no? Yeah, go say to my Insta. It? Yeah, it's at Vin Time. That's me. Uh, that's it for We Can't Print This for today. See more info about our episodes, including transcripts, links to things we talked about. You better believe I'm going to put up some 90s. Go look at our Instagram stories at We Can't Print This, our website, wecan'tprintthis.com, or our Twitter. And a reminder that also we aren't backed by anyone. We're just two independent journalists giving you an insider look at writing because we love it. And you could always support our work and the podcast by becoming a monthly supporter on Patreon. Thank you also to our producer, Miranda Schaefer, and to Dave Depper for our intro music. This podcast was recorded at the Writer's Block in Portland. And a very big special thanks to our third office mate, Rachel Ritchie, for bringing her Virgar energy into this Leo Aries cacophony. <laughs> always have a Virgo in your life when you're a creative yeah, you person a trying to get in the some room. shit done. You really always have a Virgo in your life. Oh. Um, Thanks, Rachel. If you're a writer with a great behind the story story, write to us at wecan'tprintthis at gmail.com and we will read it and then forget to respond for a little bit. Yeah. That is how but emails work. Try <laughs> and beat this story. That's what I try say. Try and beat this oh, story. Man. The bar is high, Vin. The bar is high. Bring it. Oh, Lord. Woo!